Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Howdy, everybody. This is Nick Smolowski with another Bad Elf Tech Minute saying hi to all those geoholics out there. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about an article that came out on GPS World on August 24th talking about how the FAA is planning to test unmanned aircraft detection uh, mitigation equipment at airports. So if you are part of the drone world, uh, you do any type of data acquisition aerially, this is something you may want to check into. The FAA is planning to evaluate technologies and systems um, that could not only detect drones, but mitigate potential safety risks posed by these unmanned aerial systems. Um, the effort will be part of the agency uh, FAA's Airport Unmanned Aircraft Systems Detection and Mitigation Research Project and Program. So what does this mean for all y'all people out there? So they're, they're going to be testing at least 10 technologies uh, or individual systems. And so if you produce drones, that would be something to check into. But I think additionally, this is important to note that if you are flying drones and you are potentially one of those people out there that are still being a little bit of a cowboy and not following all the FAA rules or perhaps are not a part 107 pilot, uh, just be aware that there are mitigation uh, technologies coming online that will potentially take your aircraft out of the air. And just remember, you don't want to be breaking rules. So check this out. Um, this is a new thing from the FAA. Pretty neat technology trying to make us all safer in the skies. Again, this is Nick Smolowski with Bad Elf bringing you your Geoholics Tech Minute. Uh, you can give me a buzz at nick at bad-elf.com. That's N-I-K at bad-elf.com. Love to hear from y'all. Talk to you soon. I don't want to be on my phone, but I can't be alone. Walking to the modern way. I'm trying to be somebody I'm not, but it's not what I want. And tell me there's another way. All of the how about that for a little early morning groove, huh? It, it is nice. It's relaxing. I know it. I know it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome <laughs> back to the Geoholics Podcast, and thank you for listening to episode 52, also known as the... Ray Lewis episode. Oh, uh, that's a beauty. The 1996 first round pick, number 26 overall by the Baltimore Ravens, two-time Super Bowl champion, even though they beat the Giants one time. We're not going to talk about that one. Super Bowl 35 MVP. You ready for this? 13-time Pro Bowler. Oh, my God. That's impressive. Seven-time first-team All-Pro, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and wow. first ballot 2018 inducted into the Football Hall of Fame. And murder, if I remember right. Allegedly. <laughs> it was like a stabbing incident after one of the Super Bowls. His acquaintances. Of and, course. Yeah. Of no, course. He, was, he was acquitted, I believe. or he, I don't I even know so. if he was even charged. Yeah, I don't think he was. Nah. Yeah. Either way, a hell of a football oh, player. Yeah. No doubt about it. Legendary. <laughs> legendary. The Ravens could have used him last night, as a matter oh, of fact. Oh, yeah. Jake riled up, huh? Yeah. Chit-chat yeah. a little but and one of about the that? best like pregame dance oh, God, things yeah. ever. So motivating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, awesome. So good thing about it being 6.30 a.m. is I'm not drinking whiskey yet. Mm -hmm. After listening to last week's show as a parent, <laughs> I was uh, becoming under the influence. But guess what? It was a blast. So uh, all you guys can piss off. Um, <laughs> we love you all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a couple of very nice people to mention this week. Ben Shineberry and Joshua Stice both made very generous contributions to the Geohogs GoFundMe account. And of course, we'll be receiving the new fan pack that includes all the swag we have, plus a new 
I'm a G-Hog pine class. Those things should be arriving this week. And as soon as they do, shoots will get everything in the mail. For oh, those man. of you that are waiting, I'm pretty excited. So much work for me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about delegation, buddy. Uh, one other thing, Ben was also the 100th subscriber to the Geoholics YouTube channel. Well, so right. extra special shout out to Ben. Where's that URL, Jake? It's already gone. Uh, hey, yep, we're good to go there. Yep. For the rest of you, please consider joining the Geoholics fan club by making a contribution to the Geoholics GoFundMe account. And as we mentioned a lot lately, do us a favor and subscribe to the Geoholics YouTube channel so that we can reach our new goal of, ready for this, 1,000 subscribers. <laughs> Time's getting, ten. Got, getting lofty. Got to shoot for the, shoot for the moon, boys. <laughs> that opening number was Hillsong Young and Free. The name of the song is Best Friends. Hillsong Young and Free is an Australian contemporary worship music group from Sydney where they started making Christian music in 2012 at Hillsong Church. I think they actually started out as like a youth group or something like that. Okay. But, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Our guest today is a, uh, is, a, is a huge fan of Hillsong Young and Free, so that's the reason for that song. Plus, we're all going to be best friends at the end of this episode. The three best friends that ever could have. Exactly. <laughs> Can't forget Zach to give our, yep, our, uh, <laughs> our friends of the program. I'll start this out with Bad Elf GPS. You can find them at badelf.com. They are successfully developing high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. The Flex, I'm actually going to be demoing one here, hopefully in the next couple weeks. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and if you mention the Geoholics, if you purchase a Flex, you'll get 100 bucks off your purchase and a amazing fitted Bad Elf hat, which we're still waiting for a couple on the right size, yeah, right? No, yeah, I should, I should totally wear mine, especially with the Mets taking a dump this season. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to abandon this and go to the Bad Elf hat. And I can confirm that uh, Nick spends a lot of time working and not golfing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, yes, I heard. <laughs> next up is Land Surveyors United, the largest global community of geomatics professionals on the internet with 17,000 members. Mr. Justin J. Bird Farrow, Land Surveyors United.com. Go on there, check it out, and check out the Geoholics page as well. And LiDAR News, the virtual home of the LiDAR industry. They strive to provide their readers and sponsors with the most current information about 3D laser scanning, LiDAR, unmanned aerial systems, and photogrammetry. The LiDAR News team focuses on the application of technology to solve 3D problems. Check them out at LiDARnews.com and follow them on LinkedIn and Facebook and everything else. There's some really good content there. All that social media fun. Yep. And then Parkland College, their land survey program in Champaign, Illinois, they have two schedule options, which provide opportunities to both traditional and working adults to achieve a certificate or associate's degree in land surveying. You can check them out at parkland.edu slash surveying. Next, we have Unifly. Scott Ohana and his team have developed a one-stop UAV shop. Check out their website, unifli.aero, to find out more. And when you go there, make sure you click on the How We Work link to get a better understanding of everything those guys are providing. And our guest from last week, Mr. Trent Keenan, Diamondback Ooh. Land Surveying. He spends a little more time golfing than Nick. But I still beat them. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Shh. Uh, they specialize in residential, commercial, and public works projects. Their corporate office is located in Las Vegas, but they're licensed to work across the West. Also proud sponsors and brand ambassadors of Get Kids Into Survey. Find them at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com and also GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Trent also has really good taste in whiskey. Oh, uh, what was it? Elk? Old Elk. Old Elk. Can confirm. 
Next, we got Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. You can find them at agsgps.com. They have unbeatable deals on new and used equipment, equipment rentals, and supplies. In fact, if you go to agsgps.com forward slash shop and use promo code GEO15, you'll receive 15% off all regular price field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment. And I just got a proposal from them for some new GPS equipment. And I can tell you they are extremely competitive and their customer service is second to none. I thought it was going to be for a Sherp. Nope. I thought we were going for a vacation this weekend. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> All right. Not well, yet. and then we got Tiger Supplies, a surveying, construction, and engineering superstore with over 15,000 products featuring top brands such as Leica, Topcon, Spectra, and much more. Tiger will get you the equipment you need to get the job done right. Uh, another coupon code, GEO15, will get you 15% off any Adair Pro item, including tripods, bipods, prisms, prism poles, flagging tape, survey markers, and much more. And don't forget to check out their YouTube page for product videos, tips, and tricks. Last but not least, Cyanic Automation. These guys are doing some really cool stuff with survey companies up in Canada. Of course, they're going to bring that same... Um, technology to the states they're developing new ways to collect daily work records and timesheets in the field automate invoicing search jobs by legal addresses stuff like that just you know make your job easier check out jobbook by going to their website getjobbook.com and if you tell them you heard about it on the Hawks, they too will give you 20% off their, your first year subscription. I feel like we're just saving money everywhere. We are. We are. Hopefully our listeners are taking advantage of all this good stuff. <laughs> uh, we're back in the Beat Lab studio, also known as Producer Jake's Kitchen. Bright and early. Good to be back. Coffee. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Coffee Bien good. Bienvenue. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee good. Whiskey bad. Uh, you know, I think I'd like to make a motion. I move that PJ get a bubble hockey table for the living room. Oh my goodness. Sure. Please do. Can we do that? Is that like a... Like a ping pong table? No, it's at, you know, like the old you, you ever the seen bar hockey, hockey, you know, the... Foosball? Oh, no, it's got a big bubble over the top, and it's got hockey players, oh, like the God. big stick in the corner, uh-uh. and it's, it's like this. foosball, All but right. better. Yeah. I, uh, An ice version? That's, I mean, that's In the great. game room that you guys were in, that was six months ago at this yeah. point. Yeah, that was what my original plan was, but they're like mm. 2500 bucks, and yeah. my wife is not going to go for that one. That's an investment. We need, we need, uh, you can get like personal branded ones and everything. Maybe we need to get a Geoholic special. Maybe we need like 50 more uh, for 50 more fan club members. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll pay for the bubble hockey table. All right, let's catch up the boys a little bit. Producer Jake, now that I know you have no idea what bubble hockey is, what's going on? I'm doing very good. Woke up a winner this morning, of course. Monday Night Football, Chiefs oh. versus the Ravens. Pat had to come make a statement. He made the statement. Undisputed best that, quarterback in the league. He almost single-handedly beat me at fantasy last yeah. night. I was worried. Yeah, he had like 40-something forty something points. That yeah. guy's just amazing. So yeah. and it's been awesome to uh, to watch those guys 3-0 and now. Much like the Bears, also three and zero. Not so much the Giants, but no, zero and three. We yeah. went the other way on that one. Yeah, but Trevor Lawrence, he's coming. Tanking for Trevor, he's coming. Oh, jeez, <laughs> no I, way. I feel like every, everyone's <laughs> no tanking way. for Trevor now. But no yeah, just sailing this weekend per usual. Um, nice. Heading out to the lake. Uh, me, my dad, and my brother. We had a really good time. Good winds, but a good Saturday out there and. Just trucking along. You're getting into sailing season, I understand. Yep, yep. So that's we we kind of learned here in the off season. The summer is not really the best time to sail. Obviously, it's super hot in 
the wind, I'm not sure if it's just about the same, but we're we're coming into season here, so we're gonna nice. have to ditch our flip flops for some shoes and bundle up and oh, head out there early in the morning and and get to it. You got to buy some new sailing gear. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, definitely have to make an investment in that. <laughs> yeah. Old Bezos is gonna cash in on yep. Jakey. Oh, he already has. <laughs> exactly. Are you kidding me? Exactly. That guy. Yeah. Well, I did see the the game last night. The the over under was like sliding up, 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 up. Yeah. And then it settled at 54 and a half. I know. Vegas is so good. But it what opened the final at score? 52. It was 54. 34, oh, 20. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was wow. Brucker blew it basically yeah. for everybody. Well, he cost us like 11 points. Yeah. He blew it for all of those betters that took the over. Ugh, yeah. Painful. It was, it was quite impressive. But isn't it crazy how Vegas can just, it I don't really know is. what... How, what algorithm or what they do, but they can always dial right in on that. They predict yeah. it. It's it's amazing. It really is. But so anyway. last week, boys, went golfing with a couple of friends of the program, and like I may have mentioned before, I beat Mister Keenan. Don't tell him. It's his top secret. It's our secret. Uh, Nick, mm, he's got some golfing to to learn, but it was a great time. Sweet. And bad elf, Nick. Yeah. Oh, he went with oh, you guys? Dr. Nick. Oh yeah, wow. no. He he puts the whole picture out there on social media and gets a reaction. So it was good for us and good for them. And we, you know, somebody had to actually work, so we I, couldn't I make it. I had to gracefully bow out, unfortunately. So it was just a threesome, but it was a good time, and we enjoyed it. Unfortunately, Trent had to, to bail out as soon as we were done and get back to Vegas. But we'll we'll have to get there and see him soon enough. I think it's safe to say if I was there, I would have finished third. Mm, yes, nice. you were shooting that well. I, 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 that was probably the best round I've ever played in my life. And wow, you know, I, I think uh, Popeye Caps brought it out of me. Oh, I'm sure. And then Nick, I think 112 was a rough estimate on on 18 holes. <laughs> if only the uh, if only the Mets could play up to their competition. <laughs> no, it's it's done. We're done with that. I saw a tweet from somebody that said, "Thank you MLB for only getting us 60 games of this instead of 162." Oh, and yeah. now we can begin the Steve Cohen era. Oh, there you go. Something we, to look we forward want to. A billionaire owner, not these wheel ponds. Yep. And so yep. you got it. What about you, Kent? What's new? What's new? Let's see. Um, oh, the lovely Megan and I found a great new series on Netflix called Ratchet. I don't know if you've checked it out yet or not. Watch the first two episodes. I love it. Great it's a cinematography. Little, uh, <laughs> yes, it's a little out there. A oh, little, for sure. little strange, but uh, it, it keeps my attention. So I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the lovely Megan, today is our fifth wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Thank wow. you. It's a big day. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm really excited. Time flies and you're having fun, as they say. I should probably throw it out. It's my stepmom's birthday, too. Oh, nice. Man, my mom's son. birthday is tomorrow. Uh-oh. Goodness. Lots to celebrate. Man, oh, man. Where'd you guys get married? Uh, where? Yeah. Uh, Coronado. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's just... where uh, Dr. Nick got engaged that's right yeah we, did we, we talked about it like it might have happened in almost the exact same spot yeah yeah it was just uh just the lovely megan and i and uh and uh, uh what do you call it the officiant i guess on the beach it was beautiful so five years ago today that took place so love you sweetheart oh also got to thank presley we don't give presley enough credit she is our <laughs> ig maven and she makes it rain on the instagram platform so shout out to her for making making us look good on that platform closing on the tiny piney this week very excited about that <laughs> take take uh possession on thursday so i'm really looking forward to spending 
a lot of time up in the higher elevation and taking advantage of the everything the Mogollon Rim area has to offer. Let's including this weekend? Uh, we will be up there this weekend. We got to get the keys. Break it in? Yeah, no, we're not going to stay that night. I don't think. Next weekend. Next weekend. <laughs> After the anniversary, break yeah, it yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm blushing. Um, and other than that, I'm just I'm stoked about the debate tonight. We're not talking politics, but I think there's going to be some fireworks. And I think it'll be entertaining. I'm really, really curious to see what the ratings are going to be. It, it could be Super Bowl level. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's, it's uh, Biggie's the uh, moderator tonight, Christopher Wallace. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is he really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Rogan one. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. We got to get him on the Geoholics. All right. Our uh, safety apparel safety share, Matthew Stansberry, has developed the best safety vest on the planet, also known as the Party Chief. You can find him at safetyapparel.us, and make sure you also follow them on all the social media outlets. Matthew uh, posts a lot of really cool stuff, does some giveaways and stuff, so check out Safety Apparel. And what do we got this week, Shoots? This one's near and dear to my heart. I know it's very simple, but uh, washing your hands. It's that easy. I like it. Uh, with COVID-19, all that good stuff that we've been dealing with for six, seven months now. Yep. Uh, basically, wash your freaking hands. It's that easy. Keeping hands clean is one of the most important steps we can take to avoid getting sick and spreading germs. Many diseases and conditions are spread because of infrequent or improper hand washing. As per the CDC, cleaning hands is, in a thorough manner will help prevent the spread of germs. So... Hmm. Step one, wet your hands before you put soap on there. Running water, warm or cold, either way. Turn off, tap, and apply soap. Easy, right? Lather yep. your hands by rubbing them together with the soap. Be sure to lather the backs of your hands between your fingers. There's the videos online of the people wearing gloves with paint and stuff and the difference with that. And this one, I got a seven-year-old. We work on this all the time. Scrub your hands for at least 20 seconds. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Sing the ABCs. Yep. Once you do that, you're good to go. Rinse your hands well under running water. Do not use like a, a, a sink full of water. I don't know who would do that, but that, yeah. that is apparently a thing. Dry your hands using a clean towel or air dry them. And then, you know, anytime you're dealing with food or anything like that, wash your hands before, during, after, all of the good stuff. And then... Again, if you don't have access to running water, you're on the golf course, you're on the job site, whatever, use alcohol-based solution up to 70% to sanitize your hands. So important to wash your hands on I, a regular basis. Trust me, I yeah. do it more than most. <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty good at it, maybe average or a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But uh, something I know I'm god-awful about, and that's cleaning the screen of my cell phone. No, and that Jake, on the other hand. And so freaking disgusting. So I, I have uh, the lovely Carrie sanitizes it. Clorox wipes really? regularly. Yeah, oh my I have two phones, so she has to rub them both down for me. So the fact that I wash my hands well is probably offset by the fact that I don't wash my cell phone screen and I'm constantly touching it. Oh, so. yeah, you're touching those germs and <sighs> it's gross. Yep. It's a work in <laughs> progress. All right, let's get on with this. So I'm going to lay a little groundwork for our show today. And I'm just going to be 100% real on this. What do the kids say? Be 100 or something? Yeah. All right. Going to get lit or they something? Keep it 100. Keep yeah. it 100. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that um, most of the folks in our industry, that being surveying or you know geomatics, what have you, are not the best businessmen. Um, yep. And with that, I think it's also safe to say, and I know a bunch of these people, that a lot of surveyors' marketing plans is really simple. Be cheaper than the other guy. Mm -hmm. And it 
absolutely discredits the profession. You know, it, uh, it, it, it prevents a lot of other surveyors from making the money that they should um, just because of that mindset. You know what? I need this work so bad. I'm going to be the cheapest one. That's how I'm going to get it. So our guest today is Evan Knox, and I'm going to talk a little bit here real briefly, a little bio information on Evan. He was born in Atlanta. He attended Western Governors University. His hobbies include uh, working out, hanging out with friends, and uh, jujitsu, which is interesting. Founder, he's the founder and chief marketing officer at Caffeine Marketing. His career highlights include starting Caffeine Marketing, of course, becoming a partner in multiple businesses, and he's very proud of the work that they've done for clients and improving return on investment, which is what we're going to focus on during this episode. Another couple cool things, Evan is a minimalist and a certified gemologist. So Evan, first and foremost, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And also, who knew that table hockey was so expensive? I looked it up. I was like, golly, that's $3,500. <laughs> yeah, that's like my favorite favorite game of all time, I think. I, I, you drop the puck in and it's, it's just, just so on. Great. So great. <laughs> the fact that Jake has no idea what we're talking about is depressing. He, he's not keeping it 100 on no, the bubble hockey. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find a place that we can go play. Tallies, they have one? No, no. they don't. No, They don't. I, I, I don't even to, know if I you tried. could find one anywhere. Um, but anyways, a uh, great game, uh, Evan. So just a couple things I'll circle back on, on your bio that I think are really interesting. Cause we've talked about them before. First of all, minimalism, talk a little bit about that. First, it started for me as not having a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got out of high school, I went and lived in Australia and Thailand mm. and pretty much what I had in my backpack is what I lived with. Um, I joined like this, or I think I mentioned I joined this organization called YWAM, but basically it's like a Christian missions organization. And at that point, I really learned to be happy and content with not having a lot. And then fast forwarding to when my wife and I got married, we were going to move from Colorado to Charlotte the day that we got married. So we were packing our cars and going to move cross country. And it just became clear that like, hey, we really don't need all this stuff that we have. Mm. And so we just began purging and purging and it became a regular practice. I think I probably get more joy from getting rid of stuff than I do actually getting more stuff. Now that doesn't mean I don't like, you know, a fancy new desk or something like that. That's yeah. totally real. Um, but at a macro level, having less, I think gives us more peace and helps us focus on stuff that's more important. And the other thing that's interesting is that we are doing this thing called house hacking right now. Hmm. So we bought a property and we live in the ADU and somebody rents out the main house and they pay for like our mortgage and all that stuff. So it's super nice. cool. But yeah, I mean, we live in like a smaller space, but I love it. It's yeah. fantastic. That's awesome. You guys have any kids yet? Yeah. We have a one year old. Oh, right on. Okay. Oh man. Cool. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, you're, are you familiar with, uh, I think they're called the minimalist, right? The podcast. Right. Uh, I've not heard yep. the podcast, but I think I've watched their movie and read some yep. of their stuff before. Yep. And I remember watching them. I was like, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Now, they're a little intense sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like just a suitcase and no furniture. But we don't ever, for us, it's a filter. Like, are we mm. buying this because we think we should have it yep. or because we actually need it? That's a pretty big clarification, at least for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, 
I try to have that mindset, but I'm not always really, really good at it. No, I fail, I fail miserably <laughs> at that one, especially with the seven-year-old Jesus. We have a room full of Legos. Yeah, yeah. We don't need any of those. Yeah, the intent is there, no doubt about it. And I like something you just said, and I never really thought about it that way, is use it as a filter. You know, before you purchase something or get rid of something or what have you, you know, think about it in that way. You know, do we really, really need this or, mm. you know... Are we going to need this a year from now or whatever? You know, I mean, it's uh, it's a very, very good perspective. I appreciate that. Go I, I could ask about the gemologist part. Are you going to like, does your wife have like the nicest diamond ring ever? You figured it out with the color cut, clarity, all that good stuff. And or is that just a whole side note? So my grandfather opened a jewelry store maybe five years ago. And he's a, you know, total gangster. I mean, this like was an, he was a small business center before that was cool. And he just retired. And my dad, who's no longer with us, he was, um, he worked in the diamond space. So he was like B2B side of that. So he would sell to people like my grandfather and import diamonds from Israel and stuff like that. So I just grew up around the jewelry industry and it was kind of a natural progression for me. And I, when I went out West and lived in Colorado, I was like, yeah. I gotta get a job somewhere. So selling diamonds was like supernatural for me. You know what I mean? I just grew up doing that. So getting certified was like one of the easiest things you've ever done. That's cool. That's cool. great. I actually know a guy that does that same thing and he also deals in like uh, precious metals, like gold and silver. Do you get into that as well? Uh, not really my scene. I mean, yep. I, it's interesting because it kind of, I want to say it conflicts with the minimalism, but even my wife's wedding ring, yes, it is like, kind of nice but thanks to my dad for you know giving us an heirloom um and so yeah her ring is super nice but even the design of it is like super simple it's tiffany inspired my grandfather handmade it himself that's awesome. it's really cool that's super so. cool all right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's get into this. I'm going to jump right into it and uh you know checking out the the caffeine marketing website uh which first of all a really cool name for uh for the business. Um the quote that caught my eye immediately was bad marketing is costing you. So just talk about that statement a little bit and, and what that means to you. So there are two facets of that in my mind. There is messaging that is poor, that's costing you a lot of money. So you might be paying a lot of money for advertising. You might even have a good marketing strategy, but if the words that you're using are not compelling, they don't inspire people to action, then you're going to waste a lot of money on advertising. And unfortunately, if they've already kind of heard your message or they've heard something from your brand, and they go, oh, no, that's not for me. That doesn't solve a problem that I have, or that doesn't connect with me, or they're just talking about how awesome they are. Then at that point, you're done. You're over because they're no longer going to pay attention to you because they've already heard what you have to say in their own mind. And then the flip side, if it's not messaging, then it's strategy. What I see a lot of business owners do is they just throw money in the wall and they just hope that something works. They're going to try radio ads. They're going to try billboards. Somebody told them that Facebook ads are really effective. So they're just going to try that too, but they don't have a systematic approach to their marketing and there's not an intentional marketing funnel in order to scale and grow their business. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch um, business owners do that because I, I, my family is full of business owners and it hurts. I think they deserve a better option. Um, they need a marketing strategy that actually grows their company. Yeah. Good. Well, as, as Kent was saying, the survey industry specifically, and obviously photogrammetry, everything we deal with geomatics-wise, uh, everything's a commodity. And 
we're cutting prices and undercutting everybody else, but how how can a business become more valued, respected rather than a commodity with with caffeine marketing or anything else you would suggest? A couple of things come to mind. One is branding. So having a high quality brand um, and branding might might not just be the logo and the color of your you know your website or thing you know your actual logo, but it could be how people feel about your brand. So when you deliver a great product and you've got a great reputation, that is a, a form of branding. So if you continually deliver an excellent product over and over again, that's how you end up getting higher paying clients or people are willing to pay more to work with you because they know that you're going to deliver an awesome product. So yes, it's the aesthetics of the brand, but it's also delivering an awesome product. That's one side of branding. The other side is the messaging. And so I mentioned kind of earlier that, but it's also establishing yourself as the guide. So we often come in and we go, hey, um, here's our company. We've been around this long. Here's the history. Here's how we're so awesome, whatever. But in reality, people who are making buying decisions at these companies or these you know, organizations or the government, whatever, they're looking for someone to solve a problem for them and who's competent to solve that problem. And so if you're a executive or um, some sort of manager of a team and you're wanting to hire a vendor, you're thinking, all right, I need somebody to help me win the day. And so if you mm-hmm. can position yourself as the guide who can help that person win the day, mm-hmm. you're going to get more sales and you're going to stand out. And then what that looks like, kind of the last part of this is talking about benefits instead of features. Because often, I, I recently I was working with a, almost like a, it's not a venture capital firm, but it's like a private equity firm. And they specialized in like telecommunications. And so they had just acquired this new company and it was like super above my head. Like what you guys do is above my head. These guys are like using words that I've never heard of before. And long story short, what we had to do is simplify all of their messaging down and not just use industry slang, but use actual benefits. Hmm. Benefits that they were going to feel inside their company that were ultimately going to deliver to like a greater return investment in the form of a proposal and an RFP, you know, whatever. Um, but those are just small things that can help you to not be seen as somebody that can just be pulled out, put somebody else in there who can do your job cheaper. Yeah, I love that. Now, um, circling back on branding a little bit, the branding you talked about was more the branding that like the logo type thing, your product, your service, what have you. But there's also personal branding as well. Would you agree? There is. And I think it depends. I mean, what you guys are doing, obviously, is just amazing personal branding for your space because what you're doing is you're making yourself the authority in the space. And what that essentially does is that commands people's attentions. And when you articulate the problem that they have, they're going to look to you for the solution to that. Another great way to, to do that as far as personal branding goes is articulating those problems, like I mentioned, but also painting a picture of success and failure. So when you're offering your services or you're speaking or whatever, um, you want to articulate what it is that people might risk if they don't work with you or they don't have you on your podcast or if they don't hire your company, but also what are they going to gain if they go with you guys specifically, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And as far as, you know, these, uh, these companies that I mentioned that put themselves in the category of being a commodity, I, I mean, I say it all the time, if you're in that group and, you know, your, your goal and your objective is to be the cheapest in order to get the work, I think it's probably safe to say that you're probably not working for the best clients if that's the way that they are valuing you based on 
the, the, the fee. You're just going day by day yeah. rather than yeah. sustainable. Yeah, exactly. It's not doing anything for your, for your reputation, that's for sure, or your branding. Um, it reminds me of this guy. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. It reminds no, me no. of this guy. Okay. Um, I was driving on the highway and I saw him pass me and I, I had an old truck, you know, I had like a 2003 Chevy Silverado with 300,000 miles on it. And this guy had like a really old truck, like early nineties and all on the side, he had like painted, um, cheapest tree cutter or something like that. And it's just like <laughs> craziness. And was, the whole truck was beat up. It hardly looked safe. It was sagging. And he was like, on the back, it had his like face and then his number. And it said, no one beats our prices. And I thought, yeah, that's why you're driving that piece of truck. crap truck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I don't want <laughs> I, that for you. I would say he's not bonded and insured. <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt about that. Probably not. Um, so let's let's talk about what it takes to actually you know put together an effective marketing plan. I did see on the Caffeine Marketing's website that you guys have something called the Story Brand Process. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yep. So Story Brand is the messaging framework that we use inside of all of our marketing. So if we can think of marketing, and I, honestly, I see most people either get overwhelmed or their eyes glaze over when you start talking about marketing. So if we could just make that part super simple first, then we could talk about the Story Brand Framework. Marketing, in my opinion, can be simplified into three categories of a funnel. So imagine you're pouring oil into a car. You got to, you know, you wrapped a newspaper around it and that's the funnel for you. So on the top of that funnel is brand awareness. The first problem that you have to solve in marketing is making people aware that you exist. If they don't know that you exist or your service exists, they're never going to buy your product or service. The second part is consideration. And this is kind of what we were talking about earlier is positioning yourself. It's how to message your um, marketing material or your sales calls. Any of that is in the consideration phase where they're aware that you exist, but they're not sure that they want to work with you. And then also is reminding them that you exist. So in most of the stuff that we do, it's retargeting ads, it's email campaigns, it's follow-up sequences. And then lastly is conversion, is making it as easy as possible for people to buy your product or service. So productizing your services and then just making it super easy to do that. So that's marketing, but we use the story brand framework when we're creating marketing all along that funnel. And at a really high level, story brand is a seven part framework that a guy named Donald Miller came up with in Nashville. And it uses the seven principles of story of all screen rights, uh, movies, stuff since like Aristotle is that this same seven part framework, it starts with the character who encounters a problem, who then meets a guide, who gives him a plan. And then ultimately that's gonna end in success or failure. And then also there's like a character transformation along the way. So what we use that for is we help our customers and our clients and all the business owners out there or the marketing people who are in charge of the marketing or getting new sales guys is they should see their business as the guide and their potential client or customer as the hero. And they're there to articulate that problem and help them eventually get towards success and avoid failure. Makes perfect sense to me. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I, and, and honestly, I mean, I like how you keep it really simple. You know, you don't overcomplicate it. That, that, yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, so, you know, you mentioned Facebook, you know, and there's so many different forms of like social media or digital marketing versus traditional marketing. Um, talk about that a little bit and the effectiveness in your mind uh, as far as, you know, making the investment into Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, LinkedIn, what have you. So I think now is the easiest time to grow a business 
in history. And the reason is, is because you've got really good analytics that you can scale a company very predictably. So my grandfather example, when he was growing Knox Jewelers, he had to place ads in the newspaper. He had to place ads in the Atlanta Symphony. And, and he's just hoping that they work. He doesn't really have any way to track, okay, these people came in and maybe he could use like a coupon book, but he's not the kind of guy who you know, discounts or coupon stuff. So that wasn't gonna work. So anyway, you, he didn't have any predictable scalable way to grow his company. Whereas with paid advertising on Google and Facebook, you're able to know, all right, with, I paid Google or Facebook this much. And if you've set up the proper tracking, you're able to know how many leads that you get from that. And if you know how many leads you get, you're able to determine, okay, I closed 25% of my leads or 50% of my leads, whatever that is. Then you're able to track a direct return on investment for your advertising dollars. So now I know it's kind of like a, an amazing ATM where you can put a dollar in and then get $17 back or $20 back. And that's, I mean, today I was actually um, just like going over some numbers because I've got some follow or like we're towards the end of the month. So I've got some uh, review calls with clients today. Some of them are getting like 20x return on investment. Some are getting five return, five x return on investment. Um, but all across the way, it's really profitable. And it all starts with a direct marketing. So I love that because once you build those funnels, then I'm able to go to our clients and say, okay, how much money do you want to make this year? Because we have a predictable way for you to be able to get to that number. Hmm, interesting. So as far as tracking return on investment, how, what, how are you able to do that? Like what are the, what are the indicators? So if we, I'm going to just, let's start at macro level. I'm going to speak generic company A here. Mm. Company A has product or has services or products that range from $1,000 all the way up to $10,000 and everywhere in between. But their average sale value is $5,000. Okay. And then we also, so let's just go with that simple calculation. And then we start running ads. So we start running ads. We build them a website. We build them a sales funnel. And now people that see the ads are now going to the website and they're signing up to get a quote. And so these people start getting quotes and they, you know, let's say it costs us essentially a thousand dollars for somebody to sign up to get um, a quote. So that's a really expensive cost per lead actually, but let's go with it. So a thousand dollars for someone to submit the lead form and then they're able to close 50% of them. So now we know it costs them $2,000 to acquire a new customer and they're making are they're charging on average of $5,000. So we take that as $3,000 um, in profit per se for the company A. Now we do know um, in real life example, there's margin that you have in these products or services. So let's say it's 50%. So in this specific example, if there's 50% of that margin, then they may be making $500, which again, I think the cost per lead is like super high there, but it's easier math that way. So that's how you would calculate return on investment is seeing how much it costs you um, in advertising dollars, and then essentially taking that number and dividing whatever your total revenue is. Gotcha. So besides not having a marketing plan, what are some of the biggest mistakes companies make when it comes to marketing? So we've talked about playing the hero of the story and not playing the guide. Um, the second thing I'd like to mention is also the tracking. So not having those tracking things in place because I feel like they're too complicated or it's intimidating or it's going to cost them a lot of money. Often, if you're working with a marketing, you know, a good marketing agency or even a consultant, they're going to be able to set that up for you. And it's going to really not be a big deal at all. That's going to be part of the service. So if you're working with somebody and they're not tracking your number of leads or your return on investment, I, I don't think there's a lot of e-commerce stuff um, 
in this space, but there might be, um, but you could make it even easier if it was an e-commerce tracking. So if you don't have those analytics in place, you're essentially fine blind. Mm. And it's like doing surveying with just your eyes. You're yes. just like, oh, I just think it's like two miles over there. But it's probably not. <laughs> Kent does that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's that good, you know, just going off intuition. Exactly. Uh, Been doing it long enough. Right, right. So, um, gosh, I just had another question. I'm off track. Uh, uh, I threw you off. No, I, as far as branding, I, I know I am a, a marketing kind of person. How do you, like you said, develop uh, a brand, you know, where I currently work, we de- we deliver a solid product. We're always on time, all this stuff. And, and it does make a difference. But moving beyond that, just uh, getting your name. How do you get your name to stick in people's heads <laughs> with that immediate reaction rather than yeah. developing the whole relationship? Like first thought. Like when, yeah. you think, when you think of photogrammetry, think Aerotech. Yeah, exactly. You know? How do you get that yeah. immediate thought in their head of they don't have any other option? How do you become Kleenex to tissues? Exactly. You know? Or Q-tips. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, that stage comes from market saturation. So when you just control that much in the market, then your name becomes synonymous with that whatever product or service that is. However, I would start at the messaging. I would start with the messaging. So if you can use the story brand framework, you can iron out what's the problem that your customers are experiencing. What does success look like? What does failure look like? So caffeine marketing is kind of a cheeky example here, but let's go with it. I know that business owners and business leaders want to grow their company. So even though I don't say this most of the time, uh, caffeine can fuel business growth. I just thought that was too cheesy for me to go with, but that's the idea, right? Mm -hmm. It's like caffeine can fuel business growth. Um, it fuels you every day. And so I know that that is what success looks like for these potential business owners or business leaders. So when we work with them, there's that subconscious branding that they're like, Oh yeah, caffeine can help me grow my company which is awesome that they think that I hear that all the time. So in the naming process, I think it's great to start with the messaging, identify what your customers want as far as success goes, what the problem that is they're experiencing. And then the actual naming um, like methodology and logo therapy. Um, I'm sorry, not logo therapy, um, but like the, the idea of like what colors that you should pick, hmm. All of that uh, in a branding sequence, you have to get out like what's your tone, what's your core values, what's your feel, um, what are you trying to make your customers feel? All that's important. But honestly, I think that if you just get, if you have a graphic designer who really knows what they're doing, it's going to take your logo from early 90s, early 2000s to modern day um, just by refreshing it, just by, you know, taking some trendy examples of what font should you be using right now? Um, or are those colors outdated? I know that's kind of macro level, but um, bringing it forward in the future, once you start with the messaging, then getting that name, simplifying your name is obviously super easy. I think that a lot of people use their actual names in the company. Mm-hmm. And so like Anadarko uh, or um, LinkedIn or Facebook, those are all one word. Anadarko is not, but they're all just very unique names that kind of stick in your brain, Shopify. So if you have a shorter name, it's better. So is uh, getting a tattoo of your company logo, is that good branding? Maybe. <laughs> or, or your podcast, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on where you put that um, tattoo. I right. think that's going to, it's like the tree guy. 
know? <laughs> when we get to 100,000 like followers or downloads, are you going to put it right across your forehead? Yeah, I'm going to get a little uh, teardrop right here. Yes. <laughs> Every thousand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so let's talk about websites just a little bit. What's the importance of having a professional website? Because, again, I've, I see a lot of folks in, in our industries, you know, you go to their websites and they just look like crap. They and, look like 90s. Yeah, and it just immediately, I <laughs> Alta think. Vista websites. <laughs> yep, it just immediately, the word that comes to mind is cheap. You know, and I, I think it's re- reflective of that company. Talk about the importance of the website. So when I advise clients, I think that they should be willing to spend 10 times what they can afford for a cost per acquisition on a website. So that doesn't mean that they need to be spending $500,000 if it's, you know, they have a high ticket product, but they should be willing that like, that's the perspective that they should have. Because if people come onto the website, is that that's going to be such a big factor in how they make a buying decision that they shouldn't cheap out. That's just like an awful thing to cheap out on because it's ultimately going to lead people towards or away from your brand. It's going to add to the value of your brand. It's going to help you be less of a commodity, more as like a trusted source and authority. And when I go onto websites, often they're missing one really critical um, element and that's a call to action. So even on these old antiquated websites, if you can just have a direct call to action, like request a quote, or book a call, something like that can dramatically increase your leads from your website. I mean, you can have a great looking website, but if it's not optimized for conversions and it just looks pretty, you're not going to get any sales from it. And so I think a website, yes, it should look good as like adding to your brand value, but ultimately, ultimately, I think it needs to be a tool to help you get more sales. And like I mentioned, just optimizing it for conversions, making it really clear what it is that you offer and how it makes people's lives better how easy it is to work with you. And then what are like the three steps of a working relationship with you? Like step one, book a call. Step two, receive a quote. Mm. Step three, have all of your land surveying done um, and have peace of mind like that. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. Right. And I think yes. a lot of land surveyors are, I'm not speaking out of turn, I hope, but like they're a little older. They're not as yep. e-commerce friendly and yep. you know, they, they are not willing to pay. 10 times what they should for a website and they just kind of throw it up there. Yeah. And even half of those don't have contact us. It's that simple. Right. Give me a phone mm-hmm. number and an email address. That's all I need. And yeah. then we'll figure it out from there. But I would say half of them, at least just locally here, don't mm-hmm. have that. I, I think it's a great point. You know, the fact that our profession is aging yeah. Um, and they've been doing it a certain way for the last 30 years. You know, why, why change it? They you put know? their ads out in the newspaper, yeah. you know, Knox right. Jewelers or yeah. Knox Land Surveying. And now they're like, why do I need a website? And oh, uh, uh, Granted, Presley is amazing for us as far as the geoholics on, on social media, but I'm terrible at it. And I, I consider myself a younger guy. Yep. And it's just not the the world we grew up in and we're used mm-hmm. to. So somebody like Evan brings a lot of value of, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. We'll we'll help you. We'll guide you. It, it just makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. It's just, it just you know, it's... Um I don't know, a paradigm shift for a lot of people. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people have been doing it a certain way, maybe not spending the money on marketing that they should and they could, you know, double their revenue, what have you. How do you how do you change that mindset, Evan? Well, often it's kind of unfortunate, but those people are not the ones who end up, you know, scaling and growing their businesses to the next level. And it's kind of sad because I, I've worked with 
awesome people who just become very cheap in weird ways. So an example of that, this guy is super smart. I mean, went to Harvard, which is hilarious that I'm over here doing marketing consulting for a Harvard guy. I love that. It just totally filled my ego. Um, and so I'm over there like uh, saying, hey, all right, I won't, I, I'll mention his first name. I was like, hey, Rich, um, you know, honestly, we've got this funnel built for you. It's really great. I think the next step here, if we want to see an even better return on investment, is to move your website from it was like big commerce over to Shopify and just completely redesign your site and add in all these conversion optimization tools, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, well, how much is that going to cost? I'm like, um, I mean, it could be up to 20 grand somewhere around there, which, you know, 20 grand sounds like a lot, you know, like if somebody's like, Hey, you know, do you want 20 grand or not? I'd be pretty pumped. But the idea is that he's got a $2 million company. And if he just increases his conversion rate by like five to 10%, from what it is right there, think about it that his revenue is going to increase by five to 10% just by redoing this website. Yep. So at that point, um, let's just do the 10% calculation. That'd be 200 grand. Yeah. I mean, that's a 10 X <laughs> return on investment, right? Yep. Like no brainer, but we're just become cheap in weird ways. So ultimately he didn't do it. And I'm pretty much sure that his company is stagnant in growth since the day that he's bought it. And that's not like I'm, I don't judge him for that, but it's very unfortunate. It's like a scarcity mindset. And that's ultimately what I've come to see it as. And a lot of professions have it. And it's kind of isolated to professions mostly, which is weird. So uh, real estate agents and lawyers often have it, which is so fascinating to me. Hmm. <laughs> that they can make so much money and yet be like, ah, I don't know. Like it's a couple thousand dollars on the website. I'm like, this is crazy. Like yeah. this is one client for you. It's going to pay for this twice over. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. If you can... Ultimately, if you can get through that scarcity mindset, you can disrupt the entire marketplace and become the leader in the marketplace and become the Kleenex for Q-tips. Yeah, I mean, and the, the scarcity mindset, I like that. Um, so something you mentioned earlier that I'm a huge believer in is establishing yourself as an expert in your given field. Um, you know, it's easy to put everything like I'm the best, you know, using simple terms, but on a website, you know, we're the best, we're, we're the greatest, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but there's got to be some humility in there as well. <laughs> I think, uh, I, well, what are your thoughts on that? Humility in marketing. I often think it becomes people can be perceived as insecure when they try to overcompensate with how, how, you know, how experty they are. So when I go into a website and there's like 30 logos of somebody that they worked with, hmm. I'm thinking, that's weird. Like, why do you feel like you need to put all 30? You know, just pick like your five biggest names. Right. And it comes off almost as like desperate in a way. Hmm. So I'm, I mean, we all know people, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're that guy at some level, but yeah, you just be, it's no factor. You know, you, you know what you're doing. It's no factor. So you start talking about marketing it doesn't make me nervous. I don't need to feel weird or uncomfortable about that because that's what I do every day. Um, but the guy who just goes on and on and on and feels weird about it, like that's a sign that you're trying to compensate for something that you're really not an expert at. So all of you said, I think minimalism in this category probably appropriate mm. is properly showcasing what you do. Maybe hit on it three or four times, but after that, just leave it be. I mean, there's plenty of competent people out there. Yeah, you see in a lot of websites, um you know, like quotes from clients, you know, like, you know, they do a great job, blah, blah, the blah. Testimonials. Testimonials. Yeah. Is, is that a good tactic? It is. So 
couple of good tactics would be a video testimonial, an actual testimonial with a picture, ideally. Um, you could also add logos in there if you've been featured in any media or any awards. That's kind of like the top five ways to show your authority, but you don't want to overdo it is what one thing. Um, and then also you need to make it digestible because I don't know that anybody's going to read that entire quote. And it might be amazing. I mean, they might have the very best things to say about you, but no one's going to read it. So just take like a sentence of somebody's quote and put that up there. As long as it's not misleading, I think that's perfectly fine. You got to Twitter that thing and cut it down to 140 characters or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People's totally. mindsets are, or their attention spans are about that big. Yeah. So. Hey, I'm in that category, no doubt. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about email marketing. Um, again, uh, you know, like if you're sending out an email to a, a client or a potential client, is it the same thing with that? I mean, kind of keep it short and sweet, something to get their attention. It depends, unless it's uniquely adding value. But I would say 95% of people could use the email to be much shorter. Um, so there's this company called Sticker Mule. They pretty much supply stickers, notebooks, magnets, whatever, for different brands. So it's like promotional items. And they have some of the best converting emails. And they're, they're sometimes only two sentences or a sentence. You know, they just said, hey, you know, you like these stickers last time, they're back on sale. 50% off, something like that. And they have incredible um, click-through rates and their email return is, is really high. So I think really short is great. However, on the flip side, if you have like a newsletter, um, I read this thing called The Morning Brew. I love The Morning Brew. So I just scroll through The Morning Brew. I kind of skim it. I think it's really, you know, it's mainly educational. But for the everyday consumer, really short is better. And it forces you to say more with less words. But you made me think, like, if I was in the space and I just became a partner um, in a land surveying company, the three things that I think I would do is, one, redo the entire website with that messaging. Two is then create retargeting ads, which is, I don't really know that you even need to do, like, uh, Google ads or, you know, top of the funnel Facebook ads. But just create retargeting ads, which means that when someone comes onto your website, you're going to show them ads for the next 180 days. So that whenever they're ready to buy, they want to buy from you. And then the last one would be the email campaigns because that's free for the most part. And then you're always staying in front of your customer again and then providing them value. And so that they can see you as the authority in the space. Yeah, that's great. How do you, how do you prevent your email from getting trapped in the, the recipient's junk folder? There's a couple of tactics. Um, some maybe good practices would be is not putting a whole lot of links in your email. Um, keeping your email shorter and then creating a good sender reputation. So like if you consistently have good open rates, you're going to have better open rates later on. Um, and then plain text emails actually do better than designed emails. Seems kind of counterintuitive, but the more simple that your email is, you're kind of seeing a the theme here. The simpler your email is, the, the better conversion you're going to have, more people are going to open it. Cause it's going to seem like an actual email. Like if I send it to you, um, you know, it's most likely you're going to read it and same goes for promotional mass mm. emails. And what about a follow-up? Let's say, you know, you send an email on a Monday and you don't hear back from that potential client that week. How long should you wait before you follow up? So two, two different thought processes here are, are applications. One would be the part of a Legion series. So they download a free guide on your website or they get access to something, some private download. And then from there, I would do emails every two days for okay. 
maybe seven to 10 emails. Um, people are expecting that when they give you their email address that you're going to like tell them what you do and how you can equally can help them. If it's a sales call and you're hopping on the phone with somebody um, and then they're like, hey, send me a proposal afterwards or whatever, I think a week later is perfectly appropriate. I think after two weeks, you've lost them. So you might want to email them twice within those two weeks because after that point, you're they're, you're out of their mm-hmm. mind. Um, two weeks is a long time. Gotcha. So you want to be thirsty, but not that thirsty mm. for attention. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to look desperate again, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm just trying to stay hip. <laughs> so with uh, with COVID, of course, that's changed some things for, for most people in their business lines. Um, you know, a lot of things are happening via Zoom. You know, people are doing like Zoom happy hours and things like that. Um, what are some of the... I guess, creative ways that people are doing marketing or you're promoting marketing um, in the COVID-19 era? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned um, happy hours and Zoom. Um, I would say, I I say that because I think it's great. Uh, I don't think I ever have time for it. I always see the calendar invite from somebody. I'm like, ah, can't make it, sorry. Um, But it's a cool idea. As far as how has marketing shifted or is there any new ideas in light of everybody, everybody being online, I would say that there's stuff that doesn't work anymore or is not as effective. So advertising on the local railway, which is MARTA here, it's probably not that effective because I think they're at like 25% capacity mm-hmm. what they normally do. So probably not worth it. And then for a long time, billboards, it was like no one's driving on the highway because they're all shelter in place. So why would you spend your money there? So I think that there's stuff that did that has not I'll just say this, has not been the greatest investment beforehand, and now it's really not because it's physical advertising, you can't track it. Um, but I would say, I don't think that Facebook or Google or any of those other platforms have really shifted in such a way that we need to do some completely, something completely different there. Um, I, I think that if you have a good, solid sales funnel and a good marketing campaign, I've seen that work all throughout the season. Um, there are certain companies that the spending was down. Some have gotten what's called a COVID bump, which is just the weirdest name, I think, for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's good marketing still wins. Uh, clear messaging still effective. Good branding is still important. Um, all of those things are just more so right now. And even I would say that there's some opportunity. It's like I think there's some businesses are, who are no longer advertising right now on these platforms. And so therefore, it becomes less expensive <laughs> to compete with them. So something like a billboard, even when the world is bustling and everybody's driving to work you're not a big fan of that kind of advertising because it's not trackable it, yeah it, it's more of analytical say, that that that's what's important to you think of it as two different camps here there is direct marketing and then there is brand marketing direct marketing is both direct and brand marketing but direct marketing you're trying to immediately get a return on investment so when I create ads and I'm running ads, whatever the platform I'm doing, um, the strategy is I want to get a great return on investment. So if that's my own company, if that's for a client, whoever, uh, every dollar I want to spend, I want to see $10 back, $5 back. Mm-hmm. Brand marketing is more so about getting your message out there and making people aware that you exist. I think that brand marketing is a good secondary objective to direct marketing for small businesses. But for those who are Fortune 500, Fortune 5000 companies, then you can start exploring brand marketing because you want people to see you, be aware that you exist. Coca-Cola, really, really, really big law firms in the area. 
Um, and often it's complementary inside of an omni-channel marketing plan. And what that means is that you're on all of these channels that people are on. So you're not just on Google, you're not just on Facebook, you're not just on YouTube and Instagram and LinkedIn. You're also on billboards and you're also in the newspaper and you're also mailing them. Uh, an example of this is Away Luggage. They, you know, been showing me ads for a year um, and then they also have sent me flyers when we moved. Um, but it wasn't like they just sent flyers. Like that was like, they pretty much spend all, they spent all they could spend on these other platforms. So now they have to find another platform to keep spending money on, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So what about, um, again, like in our, in our line of work, being involved, well, historically, being involved with local professional organizations seems to be a good outlet for marketing. Uh, you know, attending meetings, stuff like that. Well, of course, with COVID, that may not be quite as effective it's anymore. Networking, but networking um, is is that is that time and money well spent in your mind? Yes, and um, I think it would go back to the messaging. So, if you see people's eyes roll over when you start talking about your company, I think you have a messaging problem. And the reason is is because they can't see themselves in your messaging. So if you start off your thing, well, yeah, I've been working there for five years. It's an awesome company. Um, it's really good people. And uh, I met the founder. He's a really good guy. My, I don't, I'm, I care about you as a human, but I'm having so much uh, problems paying attention to what you're saying because it has nothing to do with me. And so if we can understand that people are looking for solutions to problems and we have to articulate what problem it is, and even if that's not a problem that they experience, they'll at least know somebody and they'll be like, Oh, you got to talk to these guys. I know that they do this. It's the problem they solve. We almost have a mental Rolodex in our heads of people who solve certain problems for us. Hmm. For example, my neighbors, um, we just had this massive tree just like fall down in like the field um, right next to us on our property. And I'm thinking, Oh, I don't think my little electric chainsaw is going to cut it, but my neighbors run a tree company. So this is not the cheap tree guy. This is, you know, these guys are legit. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so we have to articulate what it is we do. All the messaging stuff is super important. Where I'll say it's not a good return on investment, I was talking to these guys, financial advisors. They spent something like $240,000 on dinners with potential clients. Hmm. What they would do is they would host these big things, these big events, and then they'd pay for everybody to have a free steak dinner. And then while they're having the dinner, they would pitch their financial services. It was blowing my mind because they were. It cost them fourteen thousand dollars once we did the math to acquire a new customer. Wow. With paid ads, it could be like a two hundred dollars per customer. Mm -hmm. So, if it's working, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily stop it. But can you find a better way to get a greater return on investment? That's all. Yeah, really good perspective there. And at the end of the day, people all like to talk about themselves. Yeah. So no just relate mm -hmm. to them, and then it makes you more human to them and then they'll be a little more likely to call you back oh, yeah. or deal with you in the future just think, humanize yourself i think listening is so important what i'm sorry i wasn't paying attention <laughs> so I, I, this is oh, the, the last thing uh, i've got on this uh you know again with covid there's a lot of companies that are experiencing adversity um for a number of different reasons how can they use that adversity to their advantage i think at a macro level, it comes down to the, the leaders um, of the organization. And I think they have to have a, a good internal locus of control. And what I mean by that is they can't feel victim to the world. Um, I think 
if you just kind of yield yourself and go, oh, we can't do sales the way we used to. We used to just fly and meet our clients. We were so good at that. And we just, we don't want to do Zoom. If you have that kind of victim mentality, I think you're going to be eaten up by the competition. You're going to lose market share. Um, you have to say, you know what? I can't control everything around me in adversity. And it's like season adversity, but I can control me. And when I rise to the occasion, I grow as a person. And so, I mean, personally, when I think about my own story and I think about my dad who struggled with narcotics and my parents got divorced and all this like stuff that sucked, I, that could have just wrecked me. Yeah. Um, I could have just gone down the same path my dad was going down. But ultimately, I thought, you know what? I'm going to choose something. I'm going to choose this whole Jesus faith thing that I'm going after because that feels like that's something that I want to be about and not just throw my hands up and go, well, my dad, uh, you know, took my college fund and spent it on drugs. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, and so, I mean, that, even with when we got married, we had like $90,000 in student loan debt um, from my wife going to Michigan State. And instead of being like, oh my gosh, hopeless, we'll never figure this out, we ended up paying it off for like three years. So, I mean, it's all. It's all perspective. Oh, I feel like. yep. yep. Go, go Sparty. Green, <laughs> uh, go green. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the uh, basketball coach's name that has like no voice ever? Oh yeah, I feel I feel like him <laughs> today actually. <laughs> Tom Izzo, I yeah. got it. It was yeah, there. Right. Just had to pull it out of that old Rolodex. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I assume you've listened to a few episodes. I hope at least before you agreed to come on here. Uh, this is the go-to question. Do you have a mantra that you live by? Yeah, I would say, does this matter 100 years from now? Hmm. It's more of a question, I would say, because if stuff is going on, a proposal goes through, it doesn't go through. I, instead of getting worked up around that, I just think, does this really matter 100 years from now? And most of the time it doesn't, and I'm going to forget about it in a month anyway, so why worry about it? That's, I like that perspective, but, but what 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 do we do that does is going to matter a hundred years from now? What's in that category? You have your, I would say that that child. he's going to matter. <laughs> he's going to be the next president. <laughs> well, maybe you know when he's thirty-five. Yeah. <laughs> what were you, you going to say, that, Evan? Um, well, I'm just going to say that I found that that answer depends. Um, yeah. I was talking with a, a doctor, uh, like a like a psychologist, something like that, um, and he like on his his podcast. And I said that, and he's also African-American, um, and he's like, hey, you know what? I think that that could be totally perceived wrong because it was like in the midst of like a lot of civil unrest during that season. Um, and he's like, I think that that answer depends on who you are and what season. Um, and there's some stuff that we should universally think is important, but also that answer does, I think, come down to each person. So, for example, um, my what I'm doing is on my phone and email, right? I might go, does this email, does this have to happen right now? Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. Should I be hanging out with my son right now? Yes, I probably should. I should just put this phone down and just be present and just play with him. You know, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, that's great. Is this podcast going to be relevant a hundred years from now? Uh, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the answer is of course. Uh, Legacy. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Jake's going Jake's going to take it over for us. Yeah. Yeah, when we're gone, it's all Jake. <laughs> Pat Mahomes 
2.0 over here. Exactly, exactly. Well, Evan, I'll tell you what, that's about all I've got. Uh, Ryan, you got anything else? I'm, I feel like I'm informed after yeah, this. Yeah, I know. This is really good stuff. Awesome content. Really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything maybe we didn't touch on, Evan, that you want to get out there? You want to no, tell, tell folks great. about really the website? you guys having me. Yeah. T- uh, t- um, yeah my- God, I'm sorry. No, I'll just cut you off there. Um, I'll just say caffeine.marketing or evannox.com. So um, if anybody wants to connect, either one of those two. Um, the caffeine.marketing has no.com. It's just caffeine.marketing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's wrap, folks. Check us out at thegeaholics.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn by searching for The Geaholics. Download all our podcasts and Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. Don't forget to download The Geaholics app from LandSurveyorsUnited.com and subscribe to The Geaholics YouTube channel. Uh, you can email us, info at thegeaholics.com if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. Hillsong, Young and Free, Best Friends, available everywhere. Please don't forget to support our friends of the program every chance you get. As always, pay it forward, add value, make friends, and until next time, be safe and healthy. Wash your hands. (laughs) All right, once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Bad Elf GPS. Find them at bad-elf.com. Land Surveyors United, landsurveyorsunited.com. LIDAR News at lidarnews.com. Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu slash surveying. Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot A-E-R-O. Diamondback Land Surveying at diamondbacklandsurveying.com. Advanced Geodetic Surveys at agsgps.com. Tiger Supplies at tigersupplies.com. Cyanic Automation at getjobbook.com. Safety Apparel, you can find them at safetyapparel.us. And finally, Get Kids Into Survey at getkidsintosurvey.com.